The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Yes, indeed. We have flipped the calendar to October. We're back with another month of fights and another month of breaking it all down as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am your somewhat lucid and capable host, TJ Reeves, and we're looking forward to talking with some great guests to preview the weekend in boxing, including in a little bit, the Latin Snake Sergio Mora will be here from the DAZN fight card, Madison Square Garden, Gennady Golovkin, Sergey Derevyuchenko, IBF middleweight title main event Saturday night on the DAZN streaming service, the snake on the call, as the analyst with Brian Kenny calling the play-by-play, Chris Mannix, the insider with the interviews and the insight and the scoring uh, as the fight goes on. So I look forward to talking to the snake about that. That's the biggest fight uh, of this weekend is the former undisputed middleweight champion trying to reclaim part of the title. They stripped this part of the title from Canelo Alvarez. So now uh, in short order, inside of 60 days, Golovkin says, thank you very much. I'm going to get in the ring with Derevyuchenko. I'll win the belt myself and try to create some leverage. Will he get in front of Canelo anytime soon? Remains to be seen. We'll ask Sergio Mora about that. We also have a women's title fight fight on Showtime here in the U.S. And a lot of you may be listening outside of the U.S., having to find this on a stream or on another service. Showtime Championship Boxing uh, has Clarissa Shields in action in her hometown. Straight ahead, a guy who originally hails from Michigan. He's in and around where I am now in Central Florida. Does a great job with the Big Fight Weekend website. Marquise Johns will be here to talk about that. Shields title defense, weigh in on Golovkin. We also have to recap the Spence Porter fight from last weekend, World Welterweight Showdown, won by Errol Spence on what what I believe was a wrong split decision. I believe that Spence won the fight decisively. We're going to talk to our guests about that. Uh, I believe, especially down the stretch, Spence won the, the 10th, the 11th, the 12th round and decisively won that fight, yet it was a split decision, one judge giving it to Porter. Porter definitely mugged him and, and brawled him and made him fight, but Spence is the more talented fighter, the unbeaten fighter. He gets the decision win. He's the guy that we're headed towards, apparently a Manny Pacquiao showdown with Spence, a mega fight on pay-per-view coming at some point in 2020. Uh, We're going to talk more about that as this podcast rolls on. And then later in the podcast, the perspective from over in the U.K. Love me some David Payne, the boxing writer uh, over in the U.K. His website, boxingwriter.co.uk. Love his insight on all things. I'll get his opinion on Spence Porter, but I also want to talk to him. We've not had a chance to catch up with him since Tyson Fury's mess of a non-title fight. And and yes, Tyson Fury doesn't have any titles. The lineal thing doesn't mean anything here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. When you take three years off, when you willingly give all the belts up, you're not the champion of anything anymore. So anyway, Fury won the fight with Otto Valin in Las Vegas. He bled the entire fight. I want to talk to David about that. Does it jeopardize the possible Deontay Wilder rematch in February for for Fury uh, or not? Uh, We'll discuss this with him. There's also uh, a prominent British heavyweight, Derek Chisora, who who is a a popular, outspoken, uh, big-punching fighter. He's won a couple of big fights by knockout. He's also been knocked out himself. He's due to fight at the end of October, but now needs an opponent. His opponent is injured. We'll get into this with David Payne about what happens next. And I'll also ask David about Triple G and Derevyuchenko in the middleweight showdown and what 
Uh, David's thoughts are on that fight, possible Canelo Alvarez fight, and much more. So we're jam-packed here with interviews, insight, analysis. Reminder, subscribe to this podcast. However you found it, social media link through Red Circle Podcasting. Subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, go search Big Fight Weekend and subscribe. Podcast comes automatically to you as we get ready for a big fight. So again, just look for Big Fight Weekend wherever you find the podcast. Subscribe. You don't even have to go look for it uh, whenever a new one uh, is out. So we got plenty of interviews. The Triple G fight is the big one. Uh, we've got a sponsor that we want to tell you about, whether you're planning to go to the fights at Madison Square Garden in New York, fight card again in Flint, Michigan uh, this weekend, or even let's cross sports, not just boxing. If you're looking at college football games uh, for this weekend, Michigan playing uh, in the big house, the Florida Gators playing in the swamp, the Oregon Ducks playing at their stadium in Eugene, Oregon, Outson Stadium. NFL football, whether it's the Cowboys at home, the Giants at the Meadowlands, uh, I'm going to be in New Orleans for the Saints and the Buccaneers. If you need tickets to anything, boxing, college football, the NFL, the baseball playoffs that are ongoing this weekend from New York uh, to L.A. to St. Louis to Atlanta to Minnesota, wherever it is, get your tickets at Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Utilize the promo code BIGFIGHT10 off of this podcast. The, the promo code is BIGFIGHT10. It's good for any sport, but in particular boxing. If you're looking for the best seats at the Garden Saturday night, Triple G Derevyuchenko, Vivid Seats mobile app, our promo code BIGFIGHT10 takes 10% off. So uh, utilize that. That's for first-time users. If you go to Vivid Seats for the first time and use that promo code, you'll take 10% off your order up to $50. So again, Vivid Seats has your tickets. Great customer service. It takes less than five minutes to sign up on the app, locate your seats for your big event, and complete your purchase. I have done this uh, previously on a couple of occasions. You go, you look, you find your seats. 100% customer service. Satisfaction guaranteed. Your money is secure when you're buying or selling on Vivid Seats. And again, take 10% off at Vivid Seats with the promo code BIGFIGHT10. Switch up the batting order. He is leading off this time. He is the lead writer, the purveyor, the overseer of BigFightWeekend.com. Here he is, Marquise Johns, uh, back with me as, oh, it's fight week now. It is fight month. It is fight fall uh, right now with one big battle after another. Triple G, Derevyuchenko is the big one this weekend. Middleweight championship fight, Madison Square Garden. We'll get to that in a moment. Marquise, good to have you, uh, first of all. And and, and were you uh, as entertained as I and a lot of other people were by Spence Porter pay-per-view 12-round decision for Errol Spence? Absolutely, TJ. Thanks for having me on, as always. And yeah, this fight was my personal favorite right now for a front runner of fight of the year. This was one of those fights where you would go into it. It, it was expected to be a, a competitive fight, but one that Spence would win by wide decision. And it became a lot more interesting than that was because Porter made it a bigger, better, better match than what it was. Why, why do you think he was able to uh, stay so tight uh, with Spence throughout the fight? What Tactically, what do you think? My thinking, uh, TJ, was that he was able to put, apply his pressure on it during the course of the whole 12 rounds. His style is very conducive to what Spence is not normally used to fighting because it made for an awkward balance. And we kept, he kept coming at him, and Spence was used to having people you know, on the out to try to box him, and then that he, it, made for a different, it made for a different pair well for Spence to adjust to, which he did to later on in the fight. And, but Porter just kept coming. Granted, he wasn't landing much, but he, was, he kept coming. 
I was in and around this fight. You know, I try not to be I, 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 me, me, me all the time, but I was in and around this fight because it turns out the hotel where my Tampa Bay Buccaneers were staying last weekend to play the L.A. Rams, and what a fun time that was at the Coliseum Sunday. The hotel was the media hotel for all of the media events, the weigh-ins, all of that. Several of the fighters were staying at the hotel. We were right in the shadow of the Staples Center. There really was some buzz in and around Saturday afternoon, Saturday night uh, down there uh, for this fight. And, uh, you know, it was sold out uh, for boxing capacity somewhere around 17, 17, 5. I haven't seen the official numbers as of yet. I think overall this has to be considered a success, the Spence Porter pay-per-view. That's my take. What's your take? Absolutely. I thought this was a success of pay-per-view as well. The promotion for this fight, of course, helped because you couldn't get away. If you're watching Fox from the last <laughs> month, TJ, you couldn't watch Family Guy or The Mad Singer without seeing a Spence Porter ad and let you know it's on pay-per-view this last Saturday. But it was worth it because this fight and this card as a whole was pretty good. I love the fact that people, the, the big speculation on boxing internet social this week has been pretty much figuring out how many people paid for the fight. Granted, the entire world was watching it fight-wise, yeah. but the idea was how many people actually paid for it. Right. Depending on who you well, ask. Look, Bob, you think- Bob Arum has weighed in, um, and, and this is something we're writing about on BigFightWeekend.com uh, for the weekend here. Bob Arum has weighed in that he doesn't believe the number that was put out there. Mike Coppinger, the boxing insider from The Athletic, put the number out there at somewhere around 300,000 pay-per-views, which even even me going to public school in Tennessee and in West Central Florida, I know it's $70 per pay-per-view and 300,000 pay-per-views. Uh, that's a quick $21 million, if that's the case. Yes. Bob Arum disputing that, saying it's nowhere close to that, and at the same time, simultaneously admitting that his Terrence Crawford Amir Khan pay-per-view earlier this year through ESPN and Top Rank bombed as well and had fewer than 150,000 pay-per-view buys at a lesser price. What do what do we I tend to believe that Coppinger's got somebody whispering in his ear that's got the numbers. What do we believe it's just sour grapes from Aram? What do you think? At this point, it sounds like sour grapes, and then rightfully so on Bob's part, because even he admittedly mentioned earlier in the week that we wrote on BigFightWeekend.com, he didn't watch the fight. So <laughs> it's hard for me to take Bob too serious, but he said himself he didn't watch the fight because he thought Porter was a 10-to-1 underdog, and pretty much is dismissive about it. But I understand this part where he's trying to promote you know, Crawford. He, wants to, he, he, he needs and wants to spend Crawford fight. It's not happening, as we know, TJ. And if there was a boxing crockpot of things you can just set and forget – Dispense Cropper fight would probably be the very one of the first things you put in there right now. But realistically, but realistically, we're not going to see that fight anytime soon, are we? Right, because of the separate not- promotions and separate networks. Absolutely, because of the because of the boxing politics, because of the separate networks, because at this point, Spence has already came out and they mentioned that he's facing Danny Garcia already in January, and then after that, more than likely he's going to face Pacquiao. Whenever they make make Pacquiao face either Mikey Garcia or or even in between, they're just going to keep playing. It looks like TJ are playing keep away, and they are. So until they actually face each other, which is looking like, realistically, they're saying late 2020, early 2021, which is not tomorrow or next weekend. And Crawford, again, is due to fight in December, and I've not seen yet, you may know this answer, they're not going to offer that as a pay-per-view. It will probably be on ESPN Plus on the streaming app. You pay the, the lower monthly fee, you get everything, including that fight. That's probably what they're going to do with the Crawford-December fight. Not a pay-per-view. They learned their lesson from the Khan fight. Not doing as well earlier this year. Yes, absolutely. No, actually, this fight's going to be actually on TJ on ESPN after the Heisman Trophy ceremony. So ah. hopefully when the, the, uh, 
hopefully the college football speech of the winner who wins this year's uh, trophy from <laughs> Ole Miss or Alabama doesn't run over to the actual boxing car like it did the last three years they've tried doing this. The good example is the last time they had the Crawford fight on around the same time was the uh, Benavides fight in this hometown of Omaha and the fight. The, 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 the high trophy speech, I, I, I can't remember who won it. I want to say it was Jalen Hurts where it ran over. So... Hopefully, yeah. Baker Baker Mayfield last year kept talking, and then we we had to hold up the Benavides fight. I do remember all that with Crawford, but yeah, um, it's interesting they put him back on big ESPN to try to build up the audience. That's the uh, that's the idea behind that, and maybe we'll see uh, Spence Crawford before we're all old, gray, and in the retirement home. I don't know uh, if we will if we will ever see it anytime soon. Um, All right, let's move on to uh, this uh, to this weekend, and obviously Triple G Derevyuchenko vacant. IBF middleweight championship vacated because Canelo Alvarez, this was one of several fights he couldn't make. The IBF stripped him. Uh, Triple G says, thank you very much. I'll fight Derevyuchenko for the belt. And here we go. What do you make of this for Saturday night? DeZone showing it. Madison Square Garden, Marquise. It's going to be a fun fight in terms of the uh, IBF vacant title. Also keep in mind, TJ, they found out of the, out of the woodworks, you may have heard about this belt, the IBO super middleweight belt also on the line as well. <laughs> Very underrated where they found that thing out of the, uh, the attic. In, in terms of this fight, this fight I'm hoping with a Triple G we'll see a different variation of him than when we saw from Steve Rose. Grant, he beat Steve Rose in hand easily fashion and dropped him in the fourth round. But in terms of styles, this style for Devichenko is going to keep Golovkin at bay. This this fight on paper, TJ, it's close. It's, he's going to be, he's obviously Golovkin's favorite. You know, it's a big drama show. It is what it is. Hopefully, it'll be more competitive. And what will happen after Triple G gets by Devichenko, which is what, which is expected, like a majority of the A side on this card actually, will will get the reappear the, the dreaded talk that he hates oh so much. When are you going to fight Canelo Alvarez yes. for the third time? Well, and Sergio Mora coming up from DAZN, the Latin snake, uh, the former fighter, the former champ, he will be on with me, and he's got plenty to say about how Triple G, at least uh, midweek, was displeased to the point where he began to cut questions off about Canelo. said, I don't even want to talk about him or that situation anymore because it's out of his control about a third fight with Canelo Alvarez. I'll put the same question to you that, that Sergio Mora is going to answer in a little bit. If Triple G is spectacular, let's say it is an early knockout, how much does that enhance his leverage uh, to force Canelo to get in the ring with him? In, in particular, if he's dull on the opposite side, if it takes 10 rounds or it's a 12-round decision, I think that damages any chance at a Canelo fight. But on the 180-degree opposite, I think a first, second round knockout, something spectacular, makes people go, okay, Canelo, let's go. What do you think? I think if Triple G does knock out Derechenko early in this fight, it, it, will, it will put the pressure on them to be like, hey, Canelo, he, he has your belt. Do you really want it bad enough to get it back to come back at uh, Galapagos for his third fight and just be done with it at this point? I, I'm really believing on, on this point, TJ, that Canelo is just going to play keep away and just fight whoever he feels like. It. And until he really feels like fighting Triple G, I don't see any other thing changing otherwise, despite Oscar saying he, that fight will definitely happen. Eddie Hearns on your on your side with Golovkin helping co-promote with him, saying that this fight is in the rearview mirror and they're moving on to other things. Well, what do we always Hopefully say? What do we always say? Follow the money. And the biggest money that's out there in 2020, if Golovkin wins this fight and Canelo beats Kovalev, but then again, the argument can be made. I don't know that, that Golovkin wants to move up to 168, and certainly if Alvarez has decided I'm going to fight at 168 or the catch weight around 172 to fight uh, Kovalev around 175, something like that, that he may never move down, but still, the most money is Triple G Canelo third fight 2020, right? Follow the money. 
Absolutely. You have to follow the money. And the reason that these both these guys signed exclusively to the zone is for the money. And you got to bring the money in for this network somehow. And you would think that the network at some point will put pressure on both these guys to make this fight happen. Good point on that. You've also written on BigFightWeekend.com as Marquise Johns is with us for just another couple moments. Clarissa Shields in action on Showtime. Uh, she comes off of an injury a few weeks ago. Now this title defense is back on. Tell me more about it because you, you believe it's being underhyped and wrongfully so absolutely that the greatest woman of all time tj is getting zero promotion and zero press for this fight that's taking place in her hometown this weekend for in her quest to become a three-time division champion it's it's impressive like you if you didn't follow boxing like hardcore you would have known that they had a press conference yesterday for it and no one knew about it because surprisingly it wasn't on youtube and outside of like a few outlying you know fringe media outlets they actually were, they were covering the fight that it happened so, Carissa Shields is on a mission as a, as a quote to make women's boxing uh, to uh, be elevated to a status to where she doesn't go for the same things that she's going through now, which is, well, she obviously she wants money like everybody else, but B just to go for the same struggles of like having equal pay and equal time, which just actually doesn't at this point with, with general promotion. TJ, have you ever heard a cable network of Showtime not promote a fight to the point where they don't mention a press conference? Like any of well, them? I mean, this that's, is that's... this is only fueling here the speculation that's out there that Showtime is disgruntled with Al Heyman, p- premier boxing champions. They're moving all the pay-per-views over to Fox. I know you wrote about that. You can check out Marquise's uh, item about how the Fox executives are saying, hey, we're going to have four to five pay-per-views for, for premier boxing champions in 2020. Steven Espinoza of Showtime displeased that they're, they're grooming fighters like Deontay Wilder, like... Uh, Errol Spence and others on Showtime and then have them hop off of Showtime. Uh, so may, maybe this is an indication late in this year Showtime's going to scale it down or get completely out of the boxing business. I don't know, but it's a shame because Shields is entertaining. And let's see if she's not entertaining Saturday night. That's the point, right? Absolutely. And she's facing Ivana Hapson, who was the former title holder itself at, at Super Middleweight in She's coming off a loss, actually. But also the problem with women's bossing at this point, too, is that there's no competition for Shields. And she should be pretty much in the same way she beat Christina Hayner a last go-around on Showtime. should be win this fight in easy fashion. Hopefully, at this point, TJ, this will bring up the, the big thing with Shields and the one loss she has had was back in the Olympics against Savannah Marshall. At, hopefully, this fight will hopefully put more idea in regards to pushing the pressure on making that fight happen closer down the line. On Marshall's end of it, 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 she's looking at it as a solid year out. So we'll we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But right. also on this card, uh, it's a local it's a local local Flint card. Uh, the the co-main event of this card is going to be interesting as well because Jermaine Franklin's in action, the heavyweight prospect who hasn't looked too solid in his last few outings. He's in action against Pablo Sauer, who's only has one loss. So we'll, we'll see if he actually looks better in this go round. The one thing with him is that if he can apply a knockout at this point, because the last two go rounds, the last card like in, back in. Earlier this year, we was out in Washington. That was the same card that the great B.J. Flores was injured and had right. to be pulled by the state commission to fight. <laughs> well, right, Flores, Flores was going to fight Valine, and that got called off. Yeah. And then Franklin's fight was a mess. He couldn't knock the guy out, got a controversial, like, 10-round decision. So he's got to look better yeah. in this heavyweight bout tonight if he has any hope of getting in the picture of being a contender, right? Absolutely. If he wants to be, have his name with the rest, of the, the rest of the heavyweight division, he has to do something impressive on Saturday night. All right, we'll see what happens. And I know we write historical pieces on BigFightWeekend.com. I wrote about the thriller in Manila. Ali Frazier, earlier this week, it had an anniversary. You wrote about Antonio Tarver, Roy Jones' anniversary earlier this week. You were actually at that fight. We love writing about the history fights on BigFightWeekend.com, right? 
We do do, TJ. And also, yeah, that Trevor fight was awesome in terms of, because I was there back in 05 in the rafters of the group. He then named St. Pete Times Forum. I mean, we, we're in Tampa, too. It's the Ice Palace. No one calls it anything besides that. So, <laughs> and, and, and that the, night, Trevor iced Jones for the third time in a 12-round decision. He was almost out of gas at the end of it, but he definitely won the decision uh, and won the trilogy there, won the third fight with Roy Jones. Absolutely, and also with that fight, it was one. It was one of the fights that we had people look back on. You see Roy Jones, and they say pinpoint things in his career where it's like, where was the one fight that you could see the decline of Roy Jones in boxing? And that is ideally the top two is that that third target fight is the one that people point out to. Uh, I point out to you that you should be reading BigFightWeekend.com. You can find Marquise Johns there. Plug away because you're going to be tweeting away this weekend on social media uh, on all the fights. There's, there's Friday night, uh, what, MTK Global Card. At the time you're hearing us, you, those fights might have already happened, but if you're hearing us in advance of Friday, uh, those fights going on in London, Saturday night, DAZN Card, Saturday night, Showtime, Clarissa Shields Card. This guy's tweeting about it. Plug away, Marquise. Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com, your, your source for all things boxing, past, present, and future. Also, you can find me on Twitter with my Twitter lineal championship always on the line, TJ. I'm always looking for any newcomers and any mandatories at Weeksoft Radio. Also, with this weekend, uh, with these fight cards, keep in mind with the MTK Global card out in your call, the winner of this tournament, it's a gold, they, they're doing a, you may have heard this before, TJ, they're doing a boxing tournament, and we'll see how this pulls out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's the featherweight division for, for, for MTK Global and their prospects and their, and their echelon fighters. The winner of this, this, this tournament they have going on is pretty much getting a big-time uh, media push on their end for the promotion of itself. So we'll see how that shapes up down the line. And the, the cool thing that they did with this this tournament is that they had they had the eight fighters pick a ball like like kind of like the old NFL draft thing where you like pick like a color, and then they take the opposite color and you get first cracks. It reminded me of the old like kickball things where it's like you you want to pick first, well flip for it. Right. So they did that earlier this week for, for this MTA Global card. That was interesting. Also as well with that uh, this Friday, you, 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 you may be hearing this as well. Uh, Jay Russell Peltz out in Philadelphia is having a boxing card celebrating the 50 years of him being in the boxing business Amazing. way back when. Amazing. Yep. So they're, they're holding an old school fight card. Uh, that card I've just found out TJ is being aired courtesy of the old Facebook app. Uh, fight night live is where you can find that. Uh, you know, it's going to be, that's going to be a big event in Gala there. Uh, they have all the Luda bills with my take appearance. It's, it's, Pretty much if you're involved in the boxing industry in the Northeast, you're going to be at this J. Russell Pelt show in Philadelphia tonight. And they're doing right. it the old-fashioned way, Teach, with six-round fights for the entire card. Yeah, six-round so and four-round fights in Philly. Philly, a great fight town. So, Marquise, depending on when you're hearing us, will be keeping up with the Friday night fight cards, that featherweight quarterfinal kind of round-robin in London, the Philly fight cards on Friday night, too. And then the fight Saturday night, including Triple G, back in action on DAZN. We're going to talk more about that as the podcast goes on. Marquise, thank you for the time uh, here today. Enjoy the fights this weekend. We'll be reading you on BigFightWeekend.com. Absolutely, TJ. It's a 50 fight season, and all the good ones coming down the line now. Straight ahead, the Latin Snake will be here from DAZN. Sergio Mora on the call, Triple G, and Sergey Derevyuchenko, main event, Madison Square Garden, IBF, middleweight title, Triple G, the former undisputed champ. Big fight weekend brought to you apart again by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. Go to Vivid Seats for tickets to this Triple G fight at the Garden for any sport anywhere. Boxing, upcoming fights. Uh, there's a big Usyk fight card. Uh, he's making his heavyweight debut. It's in Chicago at the 
the Wintrust Arena next week. Uh, get your tickets for that. Any fight card in North America, uh, college football, the NFL, uh, Major League Baseball playoffs, get your tickets at Vivid Seats, and we've got a promo code for you. Big Fight 10. 10% off your order for Vivid Seats tickets. Promo code Big Fight 10. That's for first-time users up to $50 off your order. Remember that promo code Big Fight 10. When you're getting those tickets for the boxing, the football, the baseball playoffs, it's Vivid Seats. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Been looking forward to talking with the Latin Snake. He is on the call. Sergio Mora along with Brian Kenny, Chris Mannix, Todd Grisham, the whole DAZN crew will be uh, there throughout the afternoon, the early evening, and then the actual uh, main event broadcast of the Triple G Sergey Derevyuchenko main event IBF vacant middleweight title on the line on DAZN Saturday night. And the Latin Snake is back with us on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Thank you. I know you are busy. You've had fighter meetings. Uh, you've been trying to get a bunch of things done in New York, and I appreciate you making a little time for me here. How you been? First of all, you getting amped up for this one for Saturday night? I, I'll tell you what, man. Yeah, it's been very very busy, but it's been exciting busy. And, uh, you know, I, I love boxing. I'm a life lifelong boxing uh, boxer and boxing fan and now commentator, and I'm appreciating the rights. Uh, before we get to this one, I did see on social media that you were among them at Staples Center uh, last Saturday night for Spence and Sean Porter and the World Welterweight Unification Fight. Now, I'm going to joke with you because you don't know this because I didn't tell you this before we started recording the podcast. I work with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers NFL team as part of their radio broadcast team. We were staying at the Media Hotel right by the Staples Center before the game with the Rams last Sunday afternoon. I could see the Staples Center out the windows. I did not get over there. I should have gotten over there to say hello to you and to see the fights because this was a very entertaining World Welterweight title fight won by Errol Spence. I won't speak for you, though. What did you think of everything as it unfolded the other night and Spence got the decision? It was a, it was a classic throwback of uh, the welterweight division, you know, back in the heydays, the 80s heydays when the best used to fight the best, and we got a taste of that with uh, Porter and Spence. We got to, you know, they asked me who I thought was going to win, and I, I went with the upset, even though I, I, I'm a big fan of Errol Spence. I've been on, on the bandwagon for a long time. I've always said he was the goods from the Olympics all the way up. And but when they asked me who I thought was going to win, I said, I got to be honest with you. I think Porter's going to maul him. He's going to dog him. He's going to, he's not going to let him get off on his punches. I'm going with the upset. Oh, and the main thing they had, uh, the referee, um, um, Jack race, Jack race, right, right. Who was my favorite, uh, referee because he lets the fighters fight. He doesn't take no, no BS from anybody. And once I heard he was the referee, then I realized Porter's going to have a, a shot to fight the Porter way. And that's exactly what happened. You know, initially, you know, Spence was ever able to keep him at bay, but then Porter started closing the distance. distance. And, man, what a, what a fight. I mean, I haven't seen it on, 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 on TV, or, but I got to see it live, and I would love to see how it, it changes on, on air because live it was just, Back and forth action. The crowd loved it. I mean, it, the Staples Center was jam packed. And for no, and I'm an LA guy. You know, I was born and raised in LA. I fought the Staples Center. And for two African Americans, no Mexicans, no Latinos, to pack that house and have it mm-hmm. that great was just a big. That shows you how big of a fight it was. 
how much the boxing people loved it, but the average fan as well, because it was jam-packed and live and a great fight. Yeah, and I don't disagree with any of that. I thought it was very entertaining. Did you think that Porter Live, watching it and scoring it, deserved the split decision that you could see where he won at least seven rounds? I did not think that. No. I, I really I really no. thought it was decisive, and I was shocked. But it's boxing judges, Sergio. You've been there. You've lived it. You've seen it. You've worked fights where you go, come on. As soon as you hear split decision, you go, come on. And that was kind of the case yeah, Saturday, and, wasn't and, it? And notice, and notice, CJ, every time it's a split decision, it's always a controversial judge or, or a judge <laughs> that always had a problem with some, some, some other fight. For this one, I believe it was Larry Hazard right. that went uh, Porter's way. And, uh, I mean, I just, I, I didn't see it. I thought Spence won a very close, competitive, unanimous decision, but I don't think it was split. Porter made it tough. I think he accepted the fact that he didn't win once the, 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 the scores were announced. He was nodding his head. Body language before the announcement told me that he didn't feel he won the fight. So, no, I think uh, one judge uh, gave him the benefit of the doubt, and I, I don't think he deserved it, but all in all, it was still a great, yeah, great you, fight. Yeah. Knew how to, he won a dog fight. Yeah, it was a it was a battle, and the interesting thing about Hazard's card and looking at it, he obviously gave Spence the eleventh round with the knockdown, and he gave him the twelfth round, which means he only gave him three rounds prior to that. In the previous ten, he had Porter up seven to three going into the final two rounds. I just didn't see that. Again, it's subjective. We all see different things, but I thought Spence was was clearly the winner, Snake, in, in that one, and we'll see what happens uh, after that. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens there. All right, so you've now come cross-country to New York. We've got Triple G at Madison Square Garden, a vacant IBF a middleweight championship. This is one of the belts that was stripped away from Canelo Alvarez because he couldn't come to an agreement with Triple G. He couldn't come to an agreement with Derevyuchenko, with anybody else. Couldn't come to an agreement with the Latin Snake, anybody else that he could come to an agreement with. He's finally going to fight Kovalev in November. But So anyway, they're going to fight this fight for the vacant belt. Obviously, everybody knows Golovkin. We've talked to you about him before. Um, all right, you've been around him a little bit here. We've seen him at the press conferences midweek. Uh, is surly the right word? A little, uh, a little salty. What is the right word right now to describe Golovkin leading up to Saturday? Uh, frustrated. He's annoyed. He is. Um, he doesn't want to hear the c word anymore. He doesn't want to be asked about Canelo. And you know, I was seeing him do his press junket on television because we're in a studio in, right here in New York. And we we're waiting for him to get, you know, get done with all his obligations. And he must have been in front of cameras doing international feed uh, for different, you know, networks. I-, I would say half an hour. I don't know, maybe. He was so annoyed the entire time. Anytime any reporter, Spanish or English, brought up Canelo, he would he would, he would get upset physically <laughs> and verbally and says, "Guys, I, no more Canelo talk. I don't want to talk. Ask him." You know, I, I'm I'm done. I'm through. I I'm fighting Devinchenko. Asked me about Devinchenko. Sure enough, the very next call didn't hear that. They asked him about Canelo, and it was the exact same thing all over again. <laughs> so the first thing I did when when Golovkin came into the room, I told I he sat down. I said, I go, uh, Gennady, I've been seeing you on video here. Uh, what you've been going through, I feel for you. I've been there. I promise you, no Canelo questions. They go, Sergio, thank you. Thank you. No, no, I don't want to talk about it. I go, no, no. 
we're not going to talk about it. So, you know, let's go dive right into it. So we talked about Davrinchenko, and it was, we got the nice, smiling, good boy Golovkin. Good. The pissed off, frustrated one. <laughs> well, he's got reason to be frustrated. Uh, we'll get into that uh, We'll get into that here in a second. But for this fight, uh, we saw Derevyuchenko uh, battle Daniel Jacobs for the vacant belt back a year ago. Hotly contested. Those two are friends. Um, he and Jacobs, they sparred together, hotly contested fight. Jacobs won the decision. So we don't know a lot about Derevyuchenko. We know a lot about Golovkin, the former undisputed champion. Um, is the, I mean, what do you see out of this? Is the, Does this have a chance to be a barn burner great fight, or is this at, at some point Golovkin just catches up to him and bombs him and knocks him out? What do you think? Well, he's going to be going for the knockout. Uh, we asked him that, and we asked him if, if – uh, you know what he thinks of Derevyuchenko. He says, "Well, he, he remembers them from. They were both Olympians. They, he remembers remembers them from Kazakhstan, and he knows what his style is. He knows that uh, he is a dangerous fighter, especially the later the fight goes. But Velasquez is going to be looking for the knockout. And if he asks Derevyuchenko, he's not an underdog. You know, he's very com- uh, confident and comfortable. He wanted this fight. He he's looking forward to becoming a champion. And he thinks he might be catching Golovkin at the right time." Stylistically, I, I would I would favor Golovkin, of course, but Derevyuchenko um, has some tricks up his sleeve. He says he can box, he can't just brawl. He has the power, but he but he he says he he knows enough about Golovkin, uh, and he knows how to beat him. Voice of Sergio Mora with me for another moment or two. The Latin Snake is on the call on DAZN. Brian Kenny, Sergio, Chris Mannix on the main show Saturday night that has Gennady Golovkin going for the portion of the world middleweight title once again. Sergey Derevyuchenko is the uh, is the opponent, the number one contender. It's part of a three-fight card. Uh, Baranchik and uh, Bracero, junior welterweights, Alejandro Barrera, and Maradimov, if I said that name right, junior middleweights are also on that card at Madison Square Garden. Hey, just say this for the fans and hear us all over the place here on the podcast. There's something special about the Garden. You did the epic Ruiz upset of Joshua, but when you're talking about a fight at Madison Square Garden, it, I mean, there's great venues all over the country, whether it's Vegas, whether it's in the Staples Center like you were talking about, and then there's the Garden, right? No, this is the Mecca, and everyone knows that. And, you know, there's so many great fighters from, you know, Joe Lewis to Ali to, you know, current fighters. I mean, you, could, you can just go down the list of greatness from Roberto Duran and so on and so forth that the ghosts still linger. The ghost of, of greatness still lingers in the air, and I just think it, it, it captures the fighters. You know, the moment captures them. And I say this often, you know, when I fought at Caesars Palace uh, and Sugar Ray Leonard was there calling my fight, it was more than just fighting the guy in front of you. It, it was you knew the moment, you know the crowd, and 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 something gets into you. So, yeah, it's something special. You can't really describe. It's just something you have to experience. And and MSG is is probably the best at at bringing that out out of fighters. It's, it's, it's the makeup. There's not, nothing bigger. Nothing well, bigger. Nothing and- better. And Triple G is obviously headlined there and delivered some knockouts. He knocked out the Canadian Steve Rolls earlier this year at MSG, so we'll see if he delivers the big one. All right, so I'll pose it to you this way, because it's not Golovkin having to answer it. If if Triple G is emphatic and scores a quick early-round knockout, how much do you believe that potentially helps his leverage to eventually get a third fight with Canelo if he's spectacular, under my under my hypothetical, how much would that help him in 2020 having a shot to be in front of Canelo? What do you think? 
question. I'm glad that you asked me because if you would ask Triple G that question, you're going to get the same frustration <laughs> and look and Click. anger out of him. Right? Hang up the phone. <laughs> Click. It would have been over. No, right. no, no. Listen, if, I think if Golovkin gets that big drama knockout like he normally does here at the Mecca versus a, a, a once-beaten fighter in Jacobs that both Canelo and Golovkin couldn't knock out, that's going to be a big statement. And I think Canelo is going to be forced to look at what he did he picked up another title, which he pretty much demanded him to do. And and the crowd speaks. So I think the fans are going to have to make this fight because Canelo says he is not doing it. Golovkin just seems tired of talking about it. It's going to be the fans and the demand for it. And it's not going to be anyone else. The fans are going to talk. All right. I think that's well said. We'll leave it right there on that one. We'll see what happens Saturday night. DAZN, you can subscribe. DAZN streaming service right now. Uh, subscribe and, and get in for the next 12 months on a deal uh, right now for the year-long subscription. The show on Saturday night, the uh, the undercard fights begin earlier in the evening uh, around 6 Eastern time. The main card at 9 Eastern time. Adjust your time zone accordingly on the DAZN streaming service. And this man, the Latin snake, Sergio Mora, on the call with Brian Kenny, Chris Mannix of the Triple G battle with Russian Sergey Derevyuchenko. 12 rounds IBF middleweight title on the line at the Garden. I love it. Thank you for making time for me on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, Snake. I always enjoy talking with you. I look forward to hearing you on the call Saturday night, my friend. I, I appreciate you too, TJ. Thank you very much. Getting ready for Triple G and Derevyuchenko coming up on Saturday night, Madison Square Garden. That fight on DAZN in the United States. As uh, will he, will Triple G get another victory in, in arguably the most famous boxing venue in the world and set up a f- possible third fight with Canelo Alvarez? We'll find out about that. I want to get some insight on that. But first, I want to back up and get uh, more insight on the on the happenings last weekend in Los Angeles for the Spence Porter World Welterweight title fight. Heavyweights in the news, including British heavyweights. Oh, it's the boxing writer back with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast, David Payne from England, uh, to try to set me straight on things involving the sweet science. Good to be with you again, my friend, and catch up here as we've turned the calendar to October. I know, amazing. Uh, Always a pleasure, TJ. Good to be back on the show. Well, so let's begin with Spence Porter. We, we're now a few days removed from this. Errol Spence gets the decision. I believe it was a convincing win uh, where he he clearly was the better fighter down the stretch of the fight and, and should have been a unanimous decision winner. Always creative judging, David, especially in the United States, especially uh, in Los Angeles or Las Vegas. So one judge gave Porter the decision. Anyway, Spence is the champ. He's still undefeated. What are your quick thoughts coming off that fight, if you would? Um, good fight, good fight. Uh, competitive throughout. I had Spence, a uh, fairly clear winner. I thought he was the only winner of the fight, but I think uh, it was competitive pretty much right through. Um, we may there may be one or two uh, hipster views out there that thought Porter did enough, um, but I think they're perhaps guilty of um, underestimating him in the um, in the prelude and him doing a little better than they anticipated and. It's always a, um, a hazard when you're watching a fight when someone's doing a bit better than you expected to give them more credit than perhaps they're due if you can be completely impartial. So I think there was a little bit of that going on that made a few cards a bit closer than perhaps it was. I had about 8-4. Um, 
but yeah, creative judging. But it's uh, <laughs> it's probably a positive thing not to get too distracted by that because we can end up talking about negatives rather than a good welterweight fight between two top top guys. And uh, Spence moves on, and I don't think um, I don't think we've seen the last of Porter either. I think Porter will have other high-profile fights, but yeah, good fight and good to see them um, getting in the ring together. We've we've complained enough, TJ, about the welterweights. So it's good to see um, some sort of momentum behind Spence now. Yeah, the interesting thing is it looks like Danny Garcia will be the next opponent. And part of that, uh, I talked with a couple of different people uh, kind of privately about this. Part of that is apparently Manny Pacquiao was not going to be ready to fight or interested to fight or training to fight by January or early February, so they want to go ahead and have Spence back in the ring with with Garcia, a California uh, welterweight that's got a pretty good punch. But the goal is to have the Pacquiao fight sometime in the summer. I think what most are wondering, you're probably wondering the same thing, does he ever, Spence, get around to getting in the ring with Terrence Crawford, with Bud Crawford? I know you've tweeted about this. That's what we ultimately want to see. But apparently we're not going to see it at least until the end of 2020 or maybe early 2021, David. Uh, it, it, it's a crime against what the sport's meant to be. It's a meritocracy. We should see the top two guys fighting each other. They obviously can't fight each other every fight by definition, but we should have seen that fight by now and we should be on to a rematch, looking towards a rematch next year. So it's frustrating. Um it's it, it's almost a futile conversation in many ways because I cannot see a scenario where it changes um, because I don't imagine that fight can get big enough for two TV networks to work together on a pay-per-view basis if we've only ever seen once or twice in the past. Um, so there's a lot of ground to cover. It's gonna it's gonna take a leap of a leap of faith or daring from one of them to insist on that fight happening on the other network. One would assume. So how that comes to pass, I really really don't know. Um, and as I've mentioned in the tweet that you that you refer to, uh, these guys are around their thirtieth, and Crawford's um, uh, Crawford's moving on well well past thirty now. These guys, we talk about their prime. You could argue by twenty twenty, they're they're beyond physical prime. And um, by the, by all the statutes that we have in boxing in the past, we talk about the past a lot. Saw a little graphic for Leonard Hearns the other day. And Leonard was 25 and Hearns was 22. And here we are still scrapping to make the fight between uh, Spence and Crawford into their third. It's, um, it's, it's a frustrating thing, which is the nature of the beast these days. They fight twice a year and they don't get as much done, do they? So these things have to, that old phrase, marinate a little bit. Uh, yes, I love how you marinate on, on these different things. And I did not really, you teach me things all the time. I did not remember that Hearns was only 22 in that fight and, and Leonard was obviously the darling. And they didn't fight a second time for a while, uh, but it, at least uh, they got the first fight going in their early 20s when, when they were both at their height. And that's the whole point that you were making. So we'll see what happens with Spence in that regard. Have not had a chance to ask the boxing writer, about the Tyson Fury win in Las Vegas back now a couple of weeks ago. I, I, the biggest takeaway is that Fury suffered a nasty cut and had to use every bit of his experience, his his stamina, his skill to beat a less skilled, less experienced fighter by decision. So anyway, that's my take. Fury won the fight. What is your make of that? What is your make of his short-term future and trying to get back in front of Deontay Wilder in a rematch, David? Uh 
it's interesting to reflect on a fight a couple of weeks after, isn't it? Um, and how it can change perspective and make you a little bit more, um, uh, what's the word, grounded, settled in, in, in the value of the performance. Um, I have a bit of a bias about Fury. It's probably come through in previous interviews, so I have to be aware of that and declare that at the door, so to speak. But I think after, with a couple of weeks past, you have to look back at that fight and think... Um, that's a very good 12 rounds that Fury's put in the bank. It was messy and difficult and awkward at times, so not not a straightforward 12-round aerobic exercise. He had other challenges to overcome. Um, and whilst Wallin wasn't um, what we wanted to, or the kind of fighter, profile of fighter we wanted in the opposite corner, I think those 12 rounds will serve Fury a great uh, service when it comes to fighting Wilder again. Um I, however, with the injury that he's accrued, the date of the Ortiz Wilder fight, I find it difficult to believe that we're going to be back around to a Fury Wilder fight in late February. That seems hard to compute. A 12-week turnaround for Wilder and that injury only having 14, 15, 16 weeks, whatever it is, to, to heal for for Fury. So, uh, what, what 40, we'll 47 stitches, stitches to, yeah. close the, I mean, to close the cut. And so... And it's, it, it also showed, to my mind, it also showed the benefit of being on the left of the bill rather than the right, because those pictures that we saw, there was there were certainly some um, similarities, the severity of the cuts to the ones we saw Vitaly Klitschko suffer against Lewis, um, and he was he was he was stopped, of course, after five or six right. rounds. Memory gets away from me, but. Uh, when you're on the left of the bill and there's Bob Aaron behind you and 200 million pound contract or whatever it is, um, <laughs> the, it's do- it, the doctors it, it, are going to let it's you amazing, fight it's, ama- it's amazing how um, how things can be smoothed over a little and someone given a little longer to uh, to try and make things happen. So yeah, yeah it's uh, it's it reflects it reflects on all the narratives that exist within. Well, the and and uh, even the cut man that stopped the cut, who who gets cut man of the year, who was who was trying to stop the cut, he said we were fearful they were going to stop the cut the first or second round after it happened in the third, the fourth, or the fifth, mm-hmm. uh, and it went on because it was that bad. But you're right, there were. Uh, tens of millions of dollars riding on him being able to finish out the fight uh, if he could. We'll see again in the chronology if Wilder wins first, which he should, what happens with the Ruiz-Joshua rematch? Because in particular, and you know where this is going, if Ruiz wins, that's a PBC fighter, regardless of whatever contract Eddie Hearn might have, do they do they try to make a Ruiz-Wilder fight instead? Does he go ahead and follow through and fight Fury and they delay it a little bit? All of that for a different uh, discussion, right? We'll we'll see as that plays out later this year. I think um, I think we talked about that last time. That it, it seems incredible to believe that there has to be a lot of money on the table for PBC and the, and um, Al Heyman, etc., to walk away from the opportunity to unify all the belts pre- with with the uh, favorite in in any fight between Wilder and Ruiz being Wilder. Um, Rightly or wrongly, he would be the favourite. Um, so it's hard to believe that they won't take the opportunity to unify. Um, but, yeah, and, it, and if there is a delay, that would give them uh, an excuse, if that's the right word, an opportunity to sidestep a contract and to say and fit that fight in. But uh, it's a complex world, isn't it? Let's just hope we see the fights we want to see. I, I quite like a Wilder-Ruiz fight, if that's um, necessary, because... Fury wasn't ready because of his injury, but um, that'd be a that'd be a fun and interesting contest. But uh, and it would be we'd have to recognise 
two of the top two or three guys going at it. So you can't criticize it, can you? Um, if that's that, if that, be- if that I'm with you. Happened. If the best want to get in there and mix it up, I'm all for it. That's the voice of David Payne, the boxing writer. Boxingwriter.co.uk is his site. Does a great job writing and giving insight on boxing. Uh, I love his insight as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Only a few moments left with you because you've got to go and so do I. Um, so Derek Chisora, who had maybe the press conference exchange of the year uh, earlier, about four or five weeks ago, where speaking of being the left side of the bill, he wants to be the main event on the upcoming show at the end of October in England. Instead, he's supposed to be the co-main event. They're going to have Regis Prograce um, and uh, I believe it's Josh Taylor that's the World Boxing Super Series lighter weight fighters that are fighting in their main event for the belts. That's supposed to be the main event. Chisora was upset that he's not the main event. Well, now he does not have an opponent. One British heavyweight looking for an opponent because his opponent apparently got bitten by a spider. I somewhat chuckle, but these things can be serious. So apparently Joseph Parker, bitten by a spider, can't train. Uh, He's out of the picture. So now we're scrambling to find an opponent for Chisora. David, at the time that we're taping, we don't know who that is. We may know later in the weekend because this fight's only supposed to be a couple of weeks from now, two, three weeks from now. What's the educated speculation on who the opponent is? And is Chisora somebody that maybe gets in the mix here uh, in the next couple of fights in, within the, you know, the summer of next year, et cetera? Um, Derek's a fascinating character, and as you you mentioned, his uh, his outburst at the press conference uh, was a departure from the usual civility that we have at these things. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, he he brings a unique take to proceedings always, um, and it certainly drew a lot of attention to that bill. Which, uh, by to, the way, <laughs> you know and I know is the whole idea. Continue on, my friend. Game. Yes, continue. It's, it's the name of the game. So whilst Eddie Hearn may have seemed to be very uncomfortable at the prospect, I'm sure he was rubbing his hands with glee at the uh, at the attention that was being drawn via YouTube to to his fight and his bill, etc. Uh, the 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 problem for for uh, Derek, of course, is is finding an opponent in the top 15. That's what Eddie Hearn is keen to do. And at two or three weeks' notice, these heavyweight guys aren't always that keen to. Uh, to jump forward or in the condition to to do so, so it's it's difficult to see where a legit guy comes from. The one the one name that's cropped up, of course, which is in within the matchroom stable, is Michael Hunter, um, which would be a very interesting, good fight. Michael Hunter's a uh, a good fighter at heavyweight, and a, and it would be a handful, I'm sure, with his movement and his skills. Um, be a bit of a size disadvantage to Derek, but then that's something Hunter will be up against against most guys. But I'll, I'll be surprised if that's the fight because. Hunter has been signed to Matchroom with a plan, I believe, and it would seem um, it would seem br- br- brave or, or not. It would disre- disrespect him to some extent to put him in on two or three weeks' notice with someone like Chisora, which would be a difficult. Fight. Also, being rumored that Alexander Povetkin, former IBF champ, uh, who Joshua eventually disposed of, had some failed drug tests. He won recently over Tyson Fury's. Uh, mm. younger brother, right, Huey Fury, that he could get in the mix, but it would be a quick turnaround for him because Povetkin well, just fought, right? So I don't know how realistic that is real quick. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to see how that is, and I, I don't want to cast aspersions on the the um, bastion of 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 credibility that Povetkin, Povetkin <laughs> is in these matters, but of course it's, it's hard to know how this would fit with his cycle. Um, <laughs> uh, and I don't mean his menstrual cycle, right. of course. So, 
he's uh, I, I I find that one hard to believe. He's a, he'd be a big name to pull out of the fire, having just fought not that right. long ago, and to put straight in. So yeah, it really is a tricky one. Um, I wish I had uh, Revis has been another name that's been mentioned, which would be a name known to the UK crowd following uh, the fight um, recently. So that that might be another name that comes forward because he struck me as the kind of guy that would and, be fit and available. And just and so we're clear, that's Oscar Rivas who fought Dillian White in the controversial mm-hmm. fight where Willie, where White was allowed to fight after failing a drug test. Uh, exactly. So, I mean, you got six different degrees of soap operas, depending on who this might be, <laughs> that steps in the ring with Chisora later in the month. Before we go, Triple G, Sergei Derevyuchenko, another Russian, rugged, but clearly Triple G is the top uh, draw here at Madison Square Garden. Big puncher later in his career. What do you anticipate out of Saturday night? Is is Golovkin going to look like the Golovkin we know and remember and be spectacular? Will Derevyuchenko press him? Speculate for me. Um, in some ways, I think this fight is perfect for Golovkin. And in some ways, it could be an absolute nightmare. Uh, how's that for sitting on the fence? Um, <laughs> I think I think what um, Derevyuchenko is going to bring is uh, aggression. Uh, he's a very solid middleweight. He's, despite his uh, modest professional um Outings, I think it's his 15th, 16th fight, something like that. He's um, fought at a decent level and he was a good amateur too, 33 years old. So I don't think he'd be daunted by the by the fight as such. And this is, as we as we ever reference in um, in UK football, uh, this is his cup final. This is this is the fight that he's probably wanted for his whole career. It's the most lucrative fight he's likely to get, unless he, win, he wins, of course. So he's going to put it all on the line, would anticipate. Um, so he's going to come forward which means Golovkin's not going to have to go looking for him and just have to back Golovkin's superior power and technique and experience and punch-picking in that kind of scenario. So it, it could work well for him. Um, the last thing Golovkin needs at 37, nearly 38 years of age is, is chasing around after some um, sprightly dancer. So um, I think it plays into his hands. But as we've spoken many times, and we've talked, I think, about Pacquiao, etc., when he gets to the kind of age that Golovkin's at, who knows? It could all fall apart quickly. Sure. I, I doubt it, but there is always that possibility that he just runs into someone who's a bit younger, a bit fresher, and willing to go through a little bit and and um, and uh, and ends the, st- the the wish and the the pursuit of that third fight, which, which I personally think has moved a long way away with um, Canelo's. And, and Golovkin has said as much. Golovkin yeah. said as much at the press conference that he's disappointed because Canelo apparently just doesn't want to fight him. But maybe if Golovkin is spectacular, it puts some of the pressure on here for that fight to uh, to happen at some point in, uh, in 2020, maybe around... Uh, Cinco de Mayo next year, like what they've done before. We'll we'll see. But the first thing is take care of business with the one at the Garden. This guy always takes care of business. Uh, David Payne, I love having you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Promote again where the fans can read more about you on your site and on social media as well because you're very entertaining when the fight cards are going on on the weekend. So promote away if you would, sir. Uh, yes, you can find me at boxingwriter.co.uk. I've been working on some other stuff. I've been losing my mind on a Jake LaMotta piece at the moment. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to releasing that at some point. Um, but yes, and on uh, social media, as TJ kindly points out, at The Boxing Writer. And just one final remark before we go. We've uh, kind of dismissed or, or put to one side the Progray versus Taylor fight, TJ. But we crave fights between the one and two in the division. 
and we have one there and we should really should embrace it. So I'd encourage American fans to to try and get hold of a, a view of the pro-grade Taylor fight because they are two fabulous fighters, a nice mesh of styles, young, in their prime, and they're going at it for, for all the baubles, all the things that matter. So try and take that in at the weekend. Yeah, that's going to be a very entertaining fight later in the month. I promise I'll have you back on to help preview that one a little bit more. Uh, because again, for Progress, he's a great story, a, a New Orleans-born uh, fighter who, who transplanted to Houston after Hurricane Katrina. Uh, and Taylor is a very entertaining fighter as well. So this is what it's supposed to be all about. So that's later. We'll see Triple G fight this weekend, and we'll see how the rest shakes out. David, I always love getting the chance to cap- catch up with you. Thank you for accommodating me. Let's hope we have a great weekend of fights. Thank you, sir. Go books. See you soon, TJ. And there he goes. My thanks again to the boxing writer, David Payne. Also, Sergio Mora, the Latin snake, who will be on the call. zone streaming service, a world middleweight championship fight. The IBF portion of the belt, as Marquise joked earlier in the podcast, the IBO middleweight title, too. It is International Body Odor or International Boxing Organization. We're not sure which. Uh, uh, Triple G trying to accumulate belts, create some leverage. Let's see if he's spectacular on Saturday night. I think he likely will be. I think he likely stops Derevyuchenko at the very minimum, probably in the seventh or eighth round. This could be a knockout before then for the much more polished, bigger punching uh, Triple G. Let's see what he's still got in the tank. So thanks to Sergio Mora. He's going to be on the call. zone streaming service card begins 9 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday night from Madison Square Garden. Adjust your time zone accordingly. Subscribe there via DAZN. And my thanks to Marquise John, who's, uh, Johns, who led the show off. Marquise uh, doing a great job helping me break down uh, these fights, recapping Spence Porter, read him up on the website, bigfightweekend.com. I help contribute there, but Marquise is the senior writer, the lead writer, writing up on bigfightweekend.com for all the fights this weekend, previews, recaps, historical pieces. Uh, we love it at bigfightweekend.com. And a reminder, subscribe to this podcast, wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, etc. Subscribe away. The podcast comes automatically to you as whenever there is a big fight like this weekend triple g and derevyuchenko we are here i'm tj reeves and thank you for tuning with us here on the big fight weekend podcast millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.